the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Ron Geyer with more End Time Insights. And we are thankful that you guys are listening. And we're excited about the information that we're going to give you today. Also, we had spoken last two weeks. uh, We were talking about the two Americas that we see in our nation right now. The America that we stand for as Christians. uh, An America built on law and order, Bible principles, righteousness. An America where the church has free reign to meet and to worship a uh, society in which we are governed by the laws which were taken from the Bible. That's the America that God created, that uh, Christian men founded, and that we've lived by as long as I've been alive. But recently, in the last couple of decades, there's a new America emerging, and it's satanic, it's demonic, it doesn't believe in God, it promotes social unrest, there's lawlessness rampant, we Every opportunity to go ahead and degrade human behavior further down the road. It's, we worship idols, and there's no restraint upon the wicked, the corrupt people. And I know John Adams had mentioned that freedoms once lost can never be won again. And I think this was David Reagan that said, you don't recover from corruption. Once there's corruption, you don't fix corruption. You either have to get rid of it totally and finally, or else it's going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. That's just the nature of corruption. And we're still in the beginning stages of dealing with corruption. I know so many people have spoken. While President Trump was called by God to drain the swamp, that would not be true. President Trump was called by God to reveal the swamp. Now, that's already happened. But I want to talk to you today. In our Bible study, we are talking about, let's see, I think I called it wickedness, warfare, and warriors. And it's very important that we understand about all of that. There's been a resurgence in the church. You know, there's so many evil things manifesting, and yet God doesn't waste anything. And there's so many good things that are coming about because of this evil. Number one, I think, is the resurgence of prayer in the church. You know, the remnant, the body of Christ, the true people of God. Not, I'm not talking about the terrors. I'm not talking about the carnal Christians. I'm not talking about the false. Uh, I'm not talking about the perverts that are in the church. I'm not talking about the pastors that are cowardly. I'm talking about the true people of God that read their Bibles, that love their neighbor, that speak the truth, that are willing to fight and die for their nation. And there's a resurgence in them, and I'm excited to be a part of that. And it's evidenced by the power that's returning to those in prayer. We are seeing God move to the Supreme Court. That's going to be huge. By the way, concerning the false election that has just happened, the false election promoted by the false America, we really need to be praying for the Supreme Court because at the end of the day, it's going to get there. You know, I have not watched news or listened to any shows or anything in over a month. And it's great. 
because it's keeping me in my faith. My eyes are open. I'm not being distracted. You know, Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, I'm not following any of the counsel of the ungodly. And yet my phone automatically, I get these CNN updates. And I don't, I don't know why I don't subscribe to CNN. It just pumps up there. And I noticed today, and I don't even read them. It's a headline, and I just quickly check it out. And they talked about the fact that the Wisconsin Supreme Court rejected Trump's dealy. And that's fine. I think that's God. I think God is rushing to get this into the hands of the Supreme Court, the National Supreme Court the highest court in the land. And I think he's allowing all this stuff to happen quickly where there's Trump is getting defeated after defeated after defeated through the state Supreme Courts. That's okay. That's just fine. Uh, Ultimately, it's going to go before the National Supreme Court, and I believe God's going to move there. That's going to be very important. So you should be praying for the Supreme Court that when it does get there, that the truth will be revealed. You see A.G. Barr come out the other day and he talks about the fact that he can't find any evidence. What is wrong with that man? Was he dropped at birth? He needs to go to the clinic. I can't understand with everything that's out there by these investigators, everything that's out there by the Trump law firm, by the team that he's put together, the Trump truth team with Browning and uh, Jay Sekulow and Rudy Giuliani. They're doing a great job. They're revealing. They've got thousands of affidavits from people. And yet the false America does not acknowledge that. Headline after headline after headline. Trump loses this battle. Or A.G. Barr. Well, there's no evidence. We can't find any evidence. People that we thought had their eyes open. I'm telling you, they're being threatened. Their children are being threatened. There's reports about some of these people, the witnesses, the whistleblowers. They're being beaten up in the streets. They're losing their jobs. And that's the false America. We have got to stand strong against that. Anyway, let me read you this. We did this in our Bible study, and my wife gave me this example. This is such a great example. You're going to love this. The spiritual attacks the church body in America faces today, some of them are outright satanic dares right in our faces. Others are more subtle, sneaking around until they can find a back door maybe or a window that's open, an unlocked door, whatever. But both are equally dangerous to us, whether it's going to be the out front in your face demonic attack or the subtle little sneaking that Satan so good at where he comes in the back door while you're not looking. Both are equally dangerous, however, to our well-being. And if we don't meet them when we find them, where we find them, they have the ability to wound us seriously. Or worse yet, they have the ability to shut us down, take us out. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. We're currently teaching our Bible study, our home Bible study on spiritual warfare. We're talking about the enemies that we have in the church. And it says it right there, First Peter 5, 8, because your adversary, the devil, the devil is your adversary. You've got to understand that. I think when we ended in the two Americas last week, we were beginning to talk about Ephesians where it had the... Uh, principalities and powers as an enemy. It had spiritual wickedness in high places as an enemy, and it had the rulers of darkness as enemies to the church. And if you break it down and you study it and you realize what Christ has done for you, it's so obvious that they are powerless to hurt you. Number one, the rulers of darkness. Well, Satan is the ruler of darkness. That's not up for debate. And yet we are children of light. (laughs) So he has no authority in our life. The only weapon the church can fear from Satan should be deception. And we have taken some hits on that. Regarding principalities and powers, uh, the Bible talked about, we spoke this last week in Colossians, I think it was 3.15, it talks about that Jesus has already destroyed them. He's not only destroyed them, but he made a show of their defeat openly, triumphing over them in their defeat. 
It seems everybody knows about that except the church. We have got to recognize that we have authority where Jesus has triumphed. We have got to recognize that his children is light. The God of darkness has no power over us. And we need to appropriate the promises of God so that when they do, when the, when Satan does try to sidetrack us, to attack us, he has no power. And we just put him in remembrance of the word of God. We appropriate the promises of God. Anyway, First uh, Peter 5, 8, be sober, be be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I remember John Osteen, my first pastor, talked about the fact the devil has to walk because he's got no wheels. He doesn't believe in the prosperity message. He has no vehicle. So he's walking about the earth seeking whom he may devour, seeking whom he may devour. He may not devour me. He may not devour my family. He may not devour my church. He may not devour my business, my home, my health. And he may not. He needs permission. And I'm not giving him that permission in Jesus' name. But this is great. In the animal kingdom, the male lion roars, R-O-A-R-S, the male lion roars and the other animals run away because they recognize that roar. And unfortunately for them, they run away right into the waiting claws and fangs of the female lioness. It's a great strategy because of the dreaded reputation of the lion. When you hear the lion's roar, you run away. Well, we in the church, we need to start running toward the roar. And I'll tell you why. The reaction that those animals have leads them into a worse danger than if they had just tried to elude the male lion or they tried to go ahead and face them on whatever terms they had. But when they run in stark fear and terror, they run right into the mouth of the lioness and they're just a great strategy, but it only works because of the reputation the lion has. It's the reaction to that roar, the fear that is associated with it, that causes the reaction in the fleeing animals that ultimately can lead to their destruction. Unfortunately, the church in America has been victimized by the same strategy. We have heard the roar of the enemy, and instead of standing strong, we have run away, straight into the mouth of greater danger. By receiving the fear-mongering and the lies of the left of Satan, by responding to the godless directives and the mandates by fallen leaders, what we now are suffering in our churches is worse than any frontal attack Satan could ever have launched by using the uh, China virus. Our fearful response to the pandemic has paralyzed us in the church to where we are now, at best ineffective. Our carnal solutions to this spiritual attack have embarrassed us to no end, and we have revealed the true state of the American church. Despite all our teachings on faith, we just don't know God, nor do we know the real purpose of faith. Churches are declining in attendance, obviously, because there is no reason to come to church. We were declining in attendance. Church, we had been losing people. And yet, with the pandemic now, churches were shut down, they were emptied out, and so many have not come back. My church, I'd say, is probably down to 60%, maybe 70% capacity. And it's a shame because the reason that people aren't coming back to church is because of the church's response to the China virus. They say, shut down, we shut down. They say, okay, sanitize and mask. We shut down and we sanitize, we mask, we social distance. We don't do uh, close communion anymore. We don't lay hands on the sick. We don't pray over them. There's no fellowship. Half the churches don't worship because they're scared of the virus spreading when they're singing songs to the Lord, which is the most ridiculous thing I ever heard of. But when church offers no other solution than to obey the godless mandates that are put out from then by the government, there's no reason to go to church. 
Why should they bring the tithes and offerings to the church? Why should they risk getting sick in a church that's not going to preach the gospel, the truth, when they can just stay home and be safe and save their money? And that's the problem. The church is supposed to be different. You know, the Bible says we we are partakers of the divine nature. We're different than they are. We can't be hiding in the corner and expecting people to want to have what we have. We're not showing them we have anything special. We're not showing them that we are different. We're not showing them revealing the power of God. Pastors won't say anything political because they're scared. And it's so obvious. David Barton talks about this all the time. I think there's 186,000 churches in America with ministry leaders. So let's say 186,000 pastors in America. And yet that C, I forget what it's called, C3501, something like that, whatever. But that has hamstrung the pastors where they're not allowed to speak against politicians who are corrupt. They're not allowed to call out the names of evil leaders and comparing them during election time to the good leaders because they're scared of what that government will do to them. And I know that's reasons why churches are not opening now, because we fear the government. And yet, if David Barton says, you know, we keep waiting for some pastors to go out there and call out these corrupt politicians, we want to go to court. But Satan is so smart, he will not do that. We can get away with that all day. Nobody's gone to court about that because he knows he would rather have 186,000 pastors living in fear about what might happen than challenging us when we challenge him going to court and losing and finding out that his bark was worse than his bite. But that's the same thing that we've got in America concerning the pandemic. Pastors won't say anything about politicians. They won't call out the evil because they fear man more than they fear God. But know this, they also know man more than they know God. So we've got pastors fearing man more than they fear God. And they do that because they know man more than they know God. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, they are trusting what man can do to them more than what God will do for them. Do you see that? They fear man more than God. They know man more than God. And they trust man more than God. And unfortunately, these are the people that are leading the congregations in our churches in America. That really needs to change. We cannot go around living in fear based on what the threatenings are. The Greek word, when we talked about that principalities, we talked about it, that it was an old word. It was used in ancient times. It was really meant to depict individuals who hold the highest position of rank and authority in Satan's kingdom. But we have got to go ahead and we've got to recognize that Jesus has defeated them. Because he's defeated them, we should not walk in fear. The Bible says we've not been given a spirit of fear, but we've been given a spirit of power. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but we've been given a spirit of love. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but we've been given a spirit of um, a sound mind. We don't really know how demonic the threats are when you watch the news. We really don't understand the power that's coming against us when we listen to that stuff. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. We are being destroyed. The Bible says the lip of truth is forever, but the lying tongue is but for a moment. You know, the Bible talks about that uh, the lying tongue hates those that it destroys. It hates those that it bruises. The lying tongue hates those that it wounds. And when we sit under that ministry, our faith is being destroyed. We are receiving the lies. That's why so many Christians are voting for the wrong people. They have been lied to time and time and time and time again. So we see where Rick Renner had mentioned last week that the devil is OCD. That's what he has on the church. He is organized. 
He is committed and he is disciplined. That's the ranks. That's the troops. That's the army that Satan brings against the church. And he's got that on all three levels over the church. The church is not united. Oh, I take that back. We are united, but we're not united in faith. We're united in fear. We have come to agreement that we are going to honor the mandates of the illicit, ungodly government because we fear them more than we fear God. And it's a shame, but that's the way that it's gone. And because of that, the church has no power anymore. The church is not united in faith. Remember the scripture, I think it's in Ephesians, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. People got their own doctrines. They've got their own brand. They're trying to build their own ministry. And there's no unity in the faith. Remember the faith. The faith is not your faith. It's not my faith. The faith. It's the totality. The the total package of the word of God. That's what we're supposed to be united on. You know, when the Bible says thou shalt not murder. We should be united around that. When the Bible says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, we all need to come together and get around that as one entity, as one body. There's no room for discussion. You know, murdering our children. The Bible is clear about that. You're not supposed to be doing that. And yet there's Christians that have opposite views on that. That's impossible. I'm sorry, that is just totally impossible. And that's why there's no unity. We're still full of carnality. We're still full of ourselves. It's a shame, you know. Uh, God has already spoken about what's going to happen in the future for the church, and we need to make sure that we do not fall into the warnings that he's talked about. You know, Matthew eighteen eighteen shows us where we've got power. I promise you that God in heaven will allow whatever you allow on earth. Whatever we are letting go, the abortions, we're allowing that. The uh, homosexual behavior, the, um, the illegal immigration, whatever we allow, God allows. And we are setting the standard. God's hands are tied and we can't allow that to happen. Galatians 5.16, then I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I mentioned that we're carnal. I mentioned that we've got to go ahead and change the way we present ourselves to God, to the devil and to the world. We will only have victory if we walk in the Spirit. You know, we're in warfare. It's written throughout Scripture that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're spiritual. Okay, I get that. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay, that's another spiritual battle. Let me say this. We cannot walk Monday through Saturday in the flesh in our carnal lives and think we are going to successfully engage the enemy on his territory in the realm of the Spirit. You don't walk in the flesh and war in the Spirit. You must In order to effectively war in the spirit, you must walk in the spirit. We've got to present ourselves to the world as spiritual beings. What does that mean? That means we love God. That means we're born again. We've got the Holy Spirit of God of life inside us, leading us and guiding us in the way that we should go. That means we are fearless creatures. But this is a lifestyle. This is not something that we visit. Most of us in our Christianity, we don't live with God. We visit God. And we talk about him as our friend, as our buddy. Uh, I am a friend of God. We sing about it. The songs that we sing in church, we're not worshiping God in church. We're worshiping ourselves. We're worshiping the body of Christ. Uh, I am who he says I am. I am a friend of God. You know, talk about the blessings that God's given me and how God meets our needs and all of this. And it just presents an endless picture of carnality. It doesn't fool anybody in the world. It's just tricking the church. I want to briefly give you, well, I've got a few minutes left. I think I got five minutes left. I want to briefly give you the commitment that our founding fathers made when they put together our nation. These were men who loved God. 
Most of them were men just like you and me. They were farmers. They were blue-collar workers. There were some uh, business people. There were some that had great fortunes. There were some who were doctors, some who were ministers. But these are the people that put together the Constitution. They put together the Bill of Rights. They put together the foundation of the American culture, the American civilization, what was, and it was designed by God to best reflect what Christian living looked like. Let me tell you about some of these guys. Remember, there were 56 signers and of the Declaration of Independence. Five of them were captured by the British as traitors, and they were tortured before they died. Five of them, five out of 56. Twelve of them had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons that were captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships in the Revolutionary War. Now, 24 of these guys were lawyers or jurists. 11 were merchants. Nine were farmers. Uh, Some were large plantation owners, men of means, well-educated. But they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they were captured. We have got to have a similar commitment. We can't be going around haphazardly saying that we're Christians because we're going to miss out on God. Where is that? The the Bible, not the Bible, but it said that they plagued their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Why did they do that? Because it says in the Declaration that they were fully uh, persuaded that God was able to keep that which they have committed unto him. And it's interesting. Well, you say, Ron, so many of them died. Uh, Carter Braxton of Virginia, he sold his home and properties to pay his debt. He died in rags. God didn't protect him, did he? Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife, and she died within a few months. Well, how can you say these people died? How can you say these people in their death and their torture were protected by divine providence after you said that they made this declaration knowing that their God was going to go ahead and protect those things that were important to them. Well, let me say this. The fact that so many of them died, and I'm sure they died in faith, they were willing to go ahead and they put that on the line. They said, I'm pledging my life. I'm pledging my fortune. I'm pledging my sacred honor to you. And yet, where was the protection of God? That doesn't sound like the protection of God to me until you understand what it was that they were really trusting God to keep. They weren't trusting God so much with their lives or their farms or their families. They were trusting God to keep the freedom. They were trusting God to keep the cause for which they were making this commitment. And he did. We still have freedoms because of what they did. But look at the commitment they make. You know, I'm going to do a study on this word, and I'm, I am I keep threatening to do it. I need to. The word endure. E-N-D-U-R-E. It's a tremendous word, and we don't preach it because it doesn't have positive connotations. But the word endure in the Bible... It's used in the context of like there's a great, like a millstone, like you're lying on your back and a millstone was pressed upon your chest and it's applying great pressure. And that is the context in which God uses the word endure. He uses it about endure such a great trial of temptation, of affliction. He uses it, even the word, the word of God endures. The point being that the trial of your faith, enduring faith. The point being is that we don't live in God's America. We live in a world where Satan is the God of this world. We are like fish swimming upstream. We don't hold the high ground in the natural realm in this earth. We will suffer persecution. There's a scripture we used in Bible study the other day. Those that live godly will suffer persecution. 
Well, Ron, there's such little persecution in America, although it is on the rise. Yes, it is on the rise, but let me tell you, it doesn't mean that we're going to run from the battles. It doesn't mean that we're going to hide when they say close the church down and we're going to pretend it doesn't apply to us and just hide from the conflicts. The Bible says, though that live godly will suffer persecution. If you are not suffering persecution, let me say this, you are not living godly. Did you catch that? Those that live godly will suffer persecution. If you are not suffering persecution, I submit to you, it's because you're not living godly. Where's the power of God? Where's the victory? Where are the gifts of the Holy Spirit of God? Where is the power that we say God wants to show to us? Well, we have to live godly for that to manifest. Unfortunately, when we live godly, that means we're suffering persecution, but that's okay because God said we would in the church at Smyrna. God told him, he showed up on a Sunday morning, he goes, hey, good morning, hallelujah, let me preach to you. He says, Satan's going to throw many of you in jail. He's going to take your job. He's going to put you on trial. And some of you are even going to die. That was the Sunday morning sermon. We have got to come to the place like the founding fathers where we will be willing to pledge everything we own, everything we are in support of promoting the good news about the gospel that Jesus Christ is Lord. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.